Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Jags Den Podcast. You all know, of course, I am James Johnson, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire uh, here. And I actually have a co-host this time around and my good man, my friend, Jacob DeLawrence, man, what's going on? Long time uh, no hear from. Yeah, no, man, I was uh, waiting for Mace's welcome back to start playing before I spoke. But you know what? That's all right. We'll get it for the next time I disappear. Right, right. You know what? That would be dope to put that in there. (laughs) (laughs) But, oh, man. I'm doing good. Glad to be back. Uh, see, you've been riding solo for a little bit. Figured I'd give you some company and ride shotgun this week. Yeah, yeah, man. There's, uh, you know, a lot to talk about, so it's, it's good to have some company. Uh, but first, before we get into the game in which the Jags lost, as you all know, it was 20-3. to 3. Uh, I don't think anybody's particularly too upset about that. They're more probably upset about the draft positioning, but we'll get into that later. And before we get into that, of course, you all know where to find us, jaguarswire.usatoday.com, at Jags Den Podcast for the podcast handle itself, at the Jaguars Wire for our site's Twitter handle. And you can follow our comrade, Phil, who is normally hosting the show. He's busy this week. Uh, Phil the Filipino on Twitter. That's at Phil the Filipino, should I say. Me at Sports Grind underscore Don, of course, and Jacob at underscore Jadella. Also, there are plenty of interfaces in which you can find us on the web in terms of audio, iTunes most notably. Feel free to check us out there and give us reviews and rate, subscribe, you name it. Uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Deezer, and Radio Public. And also the Audio Boom Network, which is, of course, through USA Today. So, <sighs> I had to catch my breath after all of that, man. I don't see how I feel do that stuff, man. man that's a, that's a- <laughs> that we got to plug <laughs> bro it's so much to plug but hey we uh you know we, we got to keep the operations going as we have so uh that being said we got a ton of topics to talk about as i said um i guess it's so much to talk about this off season we can't really all put that into one podcast per se uh, so i just took the just of the the meat the, you know the 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 key stuff, the core stuff that happened today. And of course, you know, throughout the offseason, me and Jacob and Phil will talk about the other stuff and, you know, the draft and uh, this, that and the other, the the offseason and, and uh, free agency as well. So but today we're going to talk about, of course, we'll start with the game in itself, which went down by a score of 20 to three. Uh, the Jaguars lost that game, of course, at NRG Stadium. That was probably the Bolts' last game. Um, I guess we'll have to see. Time will tell. Um, na, 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 na. <laughs> na, 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 Hey, hey, hey. It took too long. It did. It did. And it may it may cost this franchise, which we'll talk about later. It may cost this franchise uh, some more time to get back to the top. Uh, but everybody know we're advocates that Blake Bortles should have been gone. We're going to talk on that. Um, but... Again, uh, Jacob, you didn't catch the game, right? Uh, that is correct. I was at work today, and apparently it looks like I didn't miss anything. So <laughs> no harm, no foul. You're right. So, I mean, it's not really a lot to discuss. Like like I said, I think I don't think a lot of people were. And this is not a bad thing towards the Jags. I'm just saying I don't think a lot of people were interested in the game so much as the effects of the game and who was going to be fired afterwards and, and uh, this, that, and the other. And also the, the draft positioning. Uh, so a lot of people kind of was watching the other games. I know I was most notably, uh, but from what I saw, I'll just give some small analysis on that. And starting with uh, the box score in terms of Blake Bortles, the boat in his last game, he was 15 of 28, 
107 in terms of passing yards, 3.8 average per pass, one interception on the night, and or should I say on the afternoon. He was sacked three times for 18 yards. QBR of 7.3 is just, which is, I've never seen a figure like that in terms of QBR, and an RTG of 47.8. So, I guess I'll go to you on this, Jacob, even though you didn't see the game, man, like, you know, what do you think of uh, not only just this game in general, but Blake Bortles' season in general, and not only that, but, you know, as you said, you think this move has come a little, I guess, you know, too slow it should have happened last year or even the year before that in some people's case Uh, but just talk about in general what you think of his run not just today but in general um before we get into that real quick i just had to google uh total qbrs Mm. for the season surprisingly that 7.3 does not put blake in the um top 10 of worst qbrs Oh, that is the raw his. QBR score. The total, his total QBR was eight point four. Okay, that puts him with the fourteenth worst this year. Okay, Derek Carr in week one was worse than him with eight point two. Sam Darnold had eight point one in week seven. Mm-hmm. Tannehill had a six point nine in week fifteen against the Vikings. Uh, let's see. Josh McCown had 5.8. Josh Allen had 5.5. Tyrod had a 5.2. Tannehill again with a 4.7 against the Patriots. Josh Rosen comes in here two times back to back with a 3.6 and a 3.3. Oh, <laughs> Eli had a 3.1 against the Eagles in week six. Josh Rosen again comes in at number three on the list <laughs> with a 2.2 against the Broncos. Jesus, Josh. Surprisingly, Nathan Peterman only shows up once on this list <laughs> in week one against the Raiders. Here you go with the Nathan Peterman jokes again. <laughs> His total QBR was .9. Oh, my Jesus. And that was second. There was one QBR worse than that. And who was that from? That would be Mr. Butt Fumble himself, Mark Sanchez, <laughs> with a .8 QBR in week 14 against the Giants. That is correct, a .8. <laughs> That is no typo. You sure? According to ESPN. Okay, that's probably know. not a typo then. <laughs> the nope. way they run they stance, they, their stats and analytic uh, department, that's probably definitely not a mistake. So, yeah, surprisingly, nope. you know, that you know that put Blake Bortles ahead of some, some guys that I wouldn't expect him to be ahead of. I mean, those weren't like top-tier quarterbacks, but. Um, a lot of rookies, somebody who hadn't played a quarterback who you can probably say is past his prime. And then you have Tyrod and Tannehill. <laughs> you put Tyrod and Tannehill in another category. What category would they be in, bro? Yeah, you have Tyrod, Tannehill, and Derek Carr. <laughs> okay. they go, that's that range of you're serviceable to really, really, really good, but not quite great at times. Right, right. Who knows? Maybe one of those guys, and we'll talk about this later on in the season, but those are two names or, you know, I guess some, some names you could say that have been a lot, a lot of fans, I guess you could say, have mentioned them in association with bringing them in with the Jazz. Notably, Tyrod. Me and you talked about that. And you know what? While we on the subject, man, what, what do you think about bringing Tyrod in like this offseason as like a stopgap guy? I know um, Tannehill is a guy that they reportedly are going to let go in Miami. I guess we'll see. I'm not his biggest fan. Um I'm not Tyrod's biggest fan either, as as we've said in the past. But I would, de- I definitely think he's serviceable after you know what he's done with the Bills and and the Browns to be a stopgap guy. Um, what say you on you know some potential stopgaps like a a Tannehill or a Tyrod Taylor or maybe Teddy Bridgewater, who I don't think is going to be out there. But um, what what what's your insight on that? Dog, Teddy ain't leaving the Saints. I don't think so either. The, the they Saints a lot him in for a reason, bro. He's the successor to Drew Brees, and he yeah. knows that, and he's staying there. I don't, you know, I don't they really get the him. hype about people wanting Teddy Bridgewater to be here. I mean, I love Teddy Bridgewater. I think, it, you know, I would love to have him. But what I'm trying to say is, we know doggone well the Saints ain't going to let that man go this offseason. No. Teddy can ball that. That boy got boy landed in a nice spot. But um, as far as Tyrod goes, I'd have called the Bills up last year as soon as you beat them in the uh, playoffs. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, um, 
since y'all don't want this man and uh we don't really like trust ours so here's the six round pick and call me later maybe <laughs> just say call me maybe <laughs> like really like right i take tyrod you give me Tyrod for two years, mm-hmm. maybe three. Let him mentor somebody for about a year or so. Hey, and also, if you are so hell bent on running a zone read or run pass option offense with Fournette, mm-hmm. who may or may not be around, which we'll get to, why not go get a quarterback like Tyrod? You know, uh, when we had this conversation the first time months ago, I wasn't for it. But now I, you know, I am because I well, of course, Blake Bortles out the picture now, and I guess a lot of it has to do with the landscape and other draft and with Haskins really like being the only guy that, I mean, it's it's some other guys that make him be good, but Haskins like the only one with Herbert stand that I guess you could say has the potential to be a number one guy. So like I've warmed up to Tyrod, even though I still think he holds on to the ball too long. But you know, with the the thing about it is with the Jaguars starting offensive line, when all of those guys get back, I think a lot of people forget that that offensive line is a lot better than people give them credit for. I guess they got accustomed to seeing the backups in all year, mostly because everybody's been hurt. But when you get the starters in there, Tyrod may can do something with that that group. I mean, they need receivers too, but he may can be serviceable behind that offensive line of Norwell and Cam Robinson, Linder, and they're going to need a right tackle. That might be Will Richardson, the rookie they drafted, but and and a new guard. But they they have some serviceable pieces to flourish with Tyrod on the offensive line, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, one hundred percent. And here's my one thing: you say Tyrod holds on to the ball too long. Yeah, sure, fair enough. That's a very fair complaint, and a very valid. A lot of analysts have said that that he'll hold on too long and try to make a play when he should have let it go. Mm-hmm. But here's the same thing. When has Tyrod Taylor ever lost you a game? That's true. I'd rather have that than him throwing, than Blake Bortles throwing a pick six. That costs us, you know. Yeah, it, It's been plenty of situations, and we've seen a couple of them this year, where it all it would take is one pick six for a team to beat the Jaguars because the, the defense held the team to six points or something, you know. So, yeah, I would much rather have somebody who hangs on to the ball too long than somebody who gives points away for sure. Like, hey, he might not necessarily win you that many games, and I say win with air quotes, but he ain't going to lose you no games. True. This and true. I'll, I'll just be honest. If I'm going to take a quarterback and I don't have, and I can't go get me like a Brett Favre, I'm going to take me a quarterback who's not going to lose me the game. Mm-hmm. You might not go out there and win it for me, but you, you ain't going to lose it for me. Yeah. I ain't going to turn around and look at them day and go, you threw that pick right there. That cost us. I, I can't do you can't do that with Tyrod. You can just say, dog, you should have let that go earlier. But it still kept us in the game, so right. I, I think we're how in, I, feel. Uh, I think we're in cohesion on that. I think Tyrod is probably the guy. I gotta look at the rest of the quarterbacks over oh, everybody else. As, as I told you, I like Nick Foles too, but I don't know what the price he's gonna come at, to be honest with you. And another thing is I think he's on the contract next year. So the Jags will have to trade up to get him and we know the Jaguars don't need to trade no more picks, especially being that they may have to trade up for a quarterback. So that may not be the route to go. And then I don't know what his salary is, but um, we'll look into that later. I think he might be free agent, but here's the thing. If I'm Philly, mm-hmm. looking at Carson Wentz, that's two years, two injuries, dog. And this one's a back injury now, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. That's true. Nah, that's Nick, Nick, let's just sit down and talk here. You know what, man? We ain't got that much cap space, but we love you. You love it here. Let, let's just let's just work this out, dog. You know what? In the city help me of help brotherly you help love. Me. Yeah, help <laughs> me help you. That's that's very possible. I never looked at it that way. I keep forgetting Carson Wentz got the second back injury, but um, yeah, we, it was ACL got, last year. Yeah, and it, it was the I guess it's a lower back. Is it? I think it's like a vertebrae. Mm-hmm. One of those issues where it's like you don't need surgery, but. I think it's the same thing with Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the Derek Carr injury. Okay. Well, we'll see. Time will tell what the Jazz do at quarterback as we kind of digress from the point of uh, today's game. Again, the score oh, yeah, was 20-3, to three, <laughs> which, I mean, I guess we ain't hurting nobody by digressing from that debacle. Uh, but in terms of rushing, which this is ridiculous, I wrote about this earlier today. 
the Chesterfield Jaguars were very ineffective on the ground. Had a total of 30 yards on the ground. Yes, you heard me right, 30 yards, according to ESPN, who we already said are pretty accurate with the stats. And guess who led the team in rushing? Just take a while, guess, everybody. It wasn't a running back. You, do you know the answer to this, Jacob? I'm sure you do. That's right. Uh, number five. Uh, <laughs> with 15 yards, bro. It's the Tiki Bar himself. Yeah, with four carries, 15 yards, an average of 3.8. Uh, his longest was for seven, which is, I just, that's just ridiculous. I, You know, I get, I get it. He's running behind, well, the running backs are running behind a, a makeshift offensive line. Um, but... Once again, like this just goes to show you how the season has gone. Carlos Hyde had 10 carries, 13 yards, finished with two less than Bortles. And David Williams, who they should have utilized more. I don't understand why they're not utilizing the rookie more to see what they have, especially with um, Yeldon and Fournette, which we're about to get into in a minute, uh, (laughs) sitting on the bench just chilling. But, like, how does the rookie only get two carries when you're supposed to be using this time to find out what you have in your younger players? And especially with the fact that Hyde might not even be on his team next year, even though they invested a fifth round pick to trade for him. But they could save like four million in cap space by cutting him. So I don't get that. Um but as I said, the whole situation with the Russian the uh, the Russian game, um, I guess the biggest deal with that was of course what we reported, Jacob reported. Um, shout outs to Jacob for doing that for me because I was busy. But the whole situation with Leonard Fournette and TJ Yeldon. And the, the pictures are like all over the web with them two on the bench with their arms folded, just chilling. And and a lot of people took offense to it, especially Tom Coughlin, who um put out a statement on that. Uh, Jacob, real quick, you wrote on it. Uh, but for audio's sake, uh, how did you feel about that situation? Now, was Tom Coughlin making a big deal of that or or how do you feel about that in general? There's about three different ways you can look at this whole thing. Mm. One is like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know what? It is what it is. You knew that Yeldon has probably played his last downs as a member of the Jaguars. Absolutely. And Fournette was banged up. And so, you know what? It's week 17. You were 5-10 and 10 going into the game. And by the way, I don't mean to cut you off, but this is coming from somebody that I'm a part of the Yeldon Hive, but I know that he's gone next year. You know, like, I'm not saying I got an insider source or nothing on this, but everybody pretty much know he's gone this year. But continue, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, it's a safe bet. If I was a bet man, I'd go put 20 down in Vegas to say Yeldon doesn't come back. You could probably get some money off of that. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I mean, that's one way to look at it. Like, okay, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Another way to look at it is, what the hell are you doing sitting there looking so damn disinterested? And I think it was, like, in the first or second quarter, like, what like what are we doing here? Right, right. You like, can at least be by a coach, you know, you know, standing by a coach or something. You go know? sit in the locker room. Like, go right. sit in the locker room if you feel like that, Fournette. You, you ain't just go sit in the locker room. Yelling, you dress, you got to at least look interested. Right. right. And then there's the, and you know what? Maybe they just caught them at a bad moment. They could have been looking up at a replay. They could have been looking over to see what was going on. Right. You know, it could be one of those. But personally, Coughlin coming out and saying that it was, oh, what did he exactly say? That it was disrespect. More or less, it was disrespectful. Uh, I got it was it right selfish. Here, bro. The whole quote. I am disappointed <laughs> in the behavior today. And this is from Philip Howman, by the way. Uh, from T.J. Yeldon and Leonard Fournette. They were disrespectful, selfish, and their behavior was unbecoming. That of a professional football player, hashtag Jaguars, and that was from Tom Coughlin via Philip Howman of the Florida Times Union. You know what that sounds like to me? Hey, boy, get off my lawn. <laughs> like Pete Prisco's, uh, his avatar, which is a picture of him on with a on 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 the cover that says "Get off my lawn." Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, like that's that's what that sounds like to me. Is like the very old man that likes it done <laughs> one specific way. Right. The military like disciplinarian. Else, yeah, like anything else, even slightly off, offends him. Right. You're that's right. just what it sounds like to me. Now, again, not saying he's completely wrong, 
Mm-mm. I'm saying he is partially wrong there. Right. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like me and you discussed at the beginning of the show or before the show, should I say, Tom Coughlin is the man, not so much Yeldon, that's Dave Caldwell's pick, but Tom Coughlin is the guy that supposedly did all of the research or his team at least did all of the research to make sure Fournette was the right guy. He wouldn't be a bad locker room guy, this, that, and the other. Essentially, Leonard Fournette is Tom Coughlin's pick. Am I not wrong? You're not really wrong, man. It's his first pick, too. And I just went and looked back at that photo. If you look at their eyes, they're clearly looking at something. They're looking at a board or something, it appears. Yeah, they're looking up at something. Right. So, again, that's... You might be right. This might be Tom Coughlin just picking on on two guys that they might have caught at the wrong moment. We could be wrong on this. Um, But, again, like like I said, just for the fact that Tom Coughlin called him out at the end of the day, like he didn't have a deal in selecting Leonard Fournette, it's just kind of backwards to me. You know what I'm saying? And, like, it's, it's it's funny. Somebody on Twitter was saying, like, he wants to talk about what's unbecoming of a professional football player. Well, what this team has put us through the last 10 or so years, is unbe- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it is what is. Is that not true? That's a very valid point. I mean, next to the Browns, this has been a pretty relatively uh, sad time here. <laughs> But uh, that's what really is sticking with me is I could care. I really don't care about the whole disrespectful, selfish, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like a bark. That's dog whistles as far as I'm concerned. Right. Say what you want to say. The unbecoming of a professional football player. What in the bluest of blue Hades are you saying there? Like That's his, it, that's his the, word. He's used that plenty of times. The unbecoming, like. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. What What are you? So what are you? There? What are you? What are you getting at here? Like, is that saying I don't want this around? Like, right? You're not good enough. What What What, what am I? What What are we getting at here, Tommy right. Boy? Like, right? Which brings just us call to the spade next a, point. Like, call a spade a spade. Right. Like it. That brings me to the next point. Like, is this Tom Coughlin's way of saying, "Hey, Leonard Fournette, you working on your way out?" Like, do you see? A trade going down or something. We talked about this before the podcast, but do you see a trade going down or something? Or do you see Tom Coughlin getting rid of uh, Leonard Fournette in some capacity? Okay, let's just put it like this to just to start with. You're an idiot if you cut him, period. Right. Let me see. I'm, I'm going to look up his cap figure while you uh, go ahead and start ranting. <laughs> I mean, he's in his second year. You're an idiot if you cut him. We get it. He's been banged up both seasons. He's missed games due to suspensions. You know, it is what it is. The man is a very violent runner. He does not shy away from contact. As soon as you say Leonard Fournette, one of the first things that come to mind is that first game against Pittsburgh last year where he could have easily stepped out of bounds and avoided the contact but waved on the safety to come hit him and then Mm -hmm. truck stick the safety. Right. Still going out of bounds. So And that's the kind of stuff Tom Coughlin love, you know, on the yeah. field at least, you know. Yeah. So. And then here's my thing, which goes back to the argument that I made all last March, February, April. Why are you drafting a running back from the SEC West <laughs> in the top five of the draft? In this day and age in the NFL, yeah, you know how I feel on it. I'm I've, I'm an advocate of new school drafting. You know, Man, I actually talked eight. about this on uh, the Cover Three podcast last week. Shout outs to the Cover Three podcast and um, the guys over there. But that being said, like I, I told them straight up, like you know that was Coughlin's pick, and that's one. It, it just had Coughlin written on all over it, and that's something you shouldn't do in the modern draft era, in my opinion. I mean, it's just like the man basically was a three year start at LSU, pretty much. Pretty much. Like, I don't know if he was the defensive starter his freshman year, but I'm pretty sure he played significant time. I mean, it's just. No, like, mm-hmm. SEC mileage is not like any other mileage in any other conference. I don't care what anybody says. Right. You that's, take a running back out of the Pac-12, a running back out of the Big Ten. Mileage, man. This, this is a guy yeah, that like, play, you know, he played Alabama every year, you know, who sends plenty of pros on defense 
uh, to to the NFL. You know, you see in Auburn every year. You see Georgia every couple years. You see Florida every year. Yeah. And LSU doesn't shy away from playing a big out of conference game to start the season. Like this man is beat before you even get him. Mm-hmm. And they normally playing in a so, decent bowl game, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, he was smart enough to sit out the bowl game his last year, right. but still, I just would have took him. But this comes back to what do you get for Leonard Fournette if you decide to trade Fournette? All right, the first thing you do is who could use a running back in the league? We mentioned before we started recording, maybe the Raiders, because Beast Mode is probably going to hang it up as soon as they like officially hand the Vegas Beast Mode is out of here. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell who's – I couldn't tell you who's behind uh, LaShawn that's been playing most of the year. So right. there's that. And then you start looking and you think, hmm, maybe the Bucks could use a running back. Which brings me to the point of, hey, we could use a quarterback. Hey, Tampa just fired their coach. The GM might get fired too. We never know. But hey, that Jameis Winston experiment. Eh, you know, you're having a little bit, a little bag of mixed results here. Right. Maybe Jameis could use a change of scenery. Right. I send you for net. Maybe a six-round, fifth-round pick. You send me Jameson like a third or a seventh. Hey, everybody works out here, you know? Boom, right. there you go. And it's worth noting There's... before everybody, you know, that's listening, like, oh, the, the books came out to say Jameis is going to stay. We, we we are aware of that. But uh, continue, Jacob. Oh, yeah, but here's the same thing. You you remember when you know, um, let's see, Hugh Jackson, you know, yeah, Hugh's our coach. He's good to go. <laughs> You got Cannon next week, dog. Yeah, that's true. I, that's true. Voter confidence is nothing more than the kiss of death, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but I don't know. So like, I, I mean, don't. I don't know how much better they get. Like, in my personal opinion, for trading Leonard for that for for Winston, you know, like I don't know. Here's like, the thing: is Jameis Sealens higher than Bortles? I mean, we that you ain't gonna get no dispute there. Yeah. <laughs> so course. you're significantly upgraded because here's the thing you can go get another running back that's true this is true and i think the jaguars may, that's, that's why this is a whole question because i think the jaguars may see that you know what i'm saying i understand that like running backs despite them taking Fournette fourth overall aren't necessarily that hard to come by you know what i'm saying in terms of the draft um but i guess ultimately time will tell in terms of that cap figure i, I looked it up on um on spot track here and for 2019 let's see he got a signing bonus of roughly four million four hundred a little bit upwards of that he has a cap hit of uh seven million four hundred a little upwards of that and his dead cap hit is for eight million nine hundred so roughly nine million for the dead cap hit so he's expendable but it wouldn't be the best move to do but he's expendable right Right. Oh, and here's another thing. You just mentioned running backs being relatively available a dime a dozen. You can trade for net and go get draft picks. You don't even need players to come back. You can trade for net and get a third, maybe a fourth round pick. And then you know what you can go do? Get your running back. Hey, Le'Veon Bell, how you doing, man? Uh, You <laughs> took a whole year off. You nice and fresh. Come on to Jacksonville. Can they afford Le'Veon, though? We already, we you think Le'Veon? I don't know. I'm you don't think like you that. can that portals thing, man. I mean, like, I'm not saying the Jaguars are gonna be like in terrible cap condition, but they ain't gonna be able to spend like they have in in the past. You can offload Blake, trade for Net, and backload um Le'Veon Bell's contract. It's no different than Flacco getting 100 million that was backloaded, and then it just got reworked. That's all you do. It's the same thing uh, Brady and the Patriots do every year. Just rework the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And if we do know one thing. You know, the Jaguars suck, but one thing about it, John Isaac. In his credit, is very good with cap figures, and if if there was anybody in that front office worth keeping, it was definitely him. Um, he's done a good job, a marvelous job with the Jazz cap figure. Um, their their cap finances over the past. I mean, we've talked about that plenty of times. We never really talked about him, but he's the guy that's behind that. And John is it, you. You're right. You know, he's a guy that maybe could work something out with Bell. Who knows? Um, but they do have the right man in house to make make the right contract to make something like that work, you know, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, again, not saying that Le'Veon Bell is a high possibility, but there's options is the point we're making. Mm -hmm. So Coughlin saying unbecoming of a professional football player. 
yeah, that really tells me that, hey, um, Playboy, come see me in my office tomorrow. Yep. Yep, yep it ain't good. That's for sure. It isn't good. Whether, yeah, it's regardless not of how we see it, if it's a non-factor to us, it's not that big of a deal to us as fans. Obviously, Tom Coughlin see it as a big deal. Obviously. So... Anyway, on to once once again we digress from the point. That's what happened when Phil ain't on the podcast, but <laughs> it's it's whatever, man. We ain't got no coordination today, but <laughs> continuing on to the receiving. I mean, we gonna need content though. Yeah, exactly. People gonna listen to this one. They gonna love it. So, uh, on the receiving end, uh, Keelan Cole led away four receptions, forty five yards, and uh, no touchdowns. Nobody had a touchdown in this game, obviously. James O'Shaughnessy, James O'Shaughnessy was behind him, the tight end, three for 25. Uh, Dante Moncrief probably played in his last game of the season, two for 21. Good. <laughs> yeah, that was a waste of $9 million. Uh, no offense, but it is what it is. And D.D. Westbrook, who they probably should have got more involved. But then again, D.D. was, you know, Blake put him in some compromising situations where he took some hits and he even had a fumble. But they couldn't really get him involved. He was three. Uh, for 10 yards, had uh, three receptions for 10 yards. So not really much to talk about on the receiving end. I mean, the I will say this, the passing, the pass protection was better, a little better than I expected. And there were opportunities for Bortles, but uh, for whatever reason, that never panned out. That's just kind of the story of, of Bortles' career. Um, while, you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> the rushing game, you know, wasn't there clearly, but. The, this, as a passer, this was a typical Blake Bortles game from a passing perspective. So on the defensive end, we got uh, Telvin Smith led the way. Um, he's a guy that has had an offseason, but he led the way. He actually was tied with Miles Jack, 10 tackles apiece, um, one quarterback hit out of Miles Jack. Um, and then I guess the star of the show, the, it was only really one bright spot from this whole game, in my opinion, and that was Yannick Ngakwe who had five tackles and one and a half sack. Uh, he had a tackle for a loss. And I think it was, let's see, four quarterback hits. So I'm going to um kind of digress from the script again and ask you, Jacob. Um, again, you didn't see the game, but Yannick Ngakwe is now currently at 29.5 sacks in three years. In three years, okay? Mm-hmm. And this young man has been – what you would call a franchise pass rusher for the Jazz, or at least over the last two years, he was a Pro Bowler last year. Um, I want to mm-hmm. know from you personally, how do you feel about you know him getting a contract extension next year? You know, of course he's eligible with Ramsey and Miles Jack, but the thing about Ramsey and as I said, they they aren't going to be in cap hell so to speak, but they aren't going to be able to spend like they want. But what I'm what I'm getting to here is I think Yannick Ngakwe would be easier to resign than Ramsey. Uh, do you think Yannick Ngakwe is a guy that they need to resign first over Jalen Ramsey? And like, what kind of deal? Like, just out of curiosity, you think he would ask for? Um, I feel like Yannick is going to command maybe top ten, top five defensive player. Me too. Top fifteen in the league money. I say top fifteen. Me too. He might want to be one of the top five highest paid linemen, but probably top fifteen, I say, overall. But um, boy, you you feeling real good about uh trading Fowler to the the Rams now, aren't we? <laughs> oh man, yeah. I, I I never. A lot of folks was it was. A, I mean, I guess they were a lot of Gator fans, you know that that rightfully so in Jacksonville. They weren't too happy about that, you know. But I mean, look. Three seasons, basically 30 sacks. That's 10 a year. It doesn't take a genius to figure out 10 sacks a year is a really high number. Yes. And that is that shows that you can produce. Mm-hmm. And develop at a fast rate. Like, people don't understand, like, how fast this young man developed. Yeah, it was a fourth, fifth round pick? Third. Third. He came in the draft with uh, Ramsey, 2016 draft. Ramsey, Miles, Jack, yep, and then him. The only six, saving six, grace six, that uh, Dave Caldwell has is that draft. <laughs> Boy, that's a beautiful draft looking at it now. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yo, I mean, the man's earned his money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think he gets honestly, I mean, I kind of hinted at it, but I think he get the gets the deal before Ramsey, if we being honest. So, I mean, he's 23, ain't been no trouble off the field. 
model teammate. Seems like everybody loves him in the community. Do I pay him before I pay Jalen? It's just I think they're gonna have difficulty with Jalen. You know, Ooh. it's not that they don't they they're not gonna want to pay Jalen, but it's just like Jalen contract is not probably gonna be an easy deal. You know, they, they, especially with him being Jalen. You know what I'm saying? Even though he has said, you know, despite what people think, he wants to retire a Jaguar because it's rare. You know, you don't you never find a, a player that stays with one team throughout his whole career. And I think Jalen, according to CBS, at least what they were saying, values that. But all I'm saying is like Jalen is going to command a lot of money. And I mean, again, we got John Isaac in the front office to handle all of that. But I don't know if he gets that deal this year as opposed to maybe like next year is what I'm trying to say. Um, who's Jalen Ramsey's agent? I just Googled it. David Mulagetta. Uh, apologize if I messed up his name. Um, considering how like nothing about him just jumps off the page to me. Mm-hmm. As far as dealing with, it seems like he's it's not like a Drew Rosenhaus situation. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that this should be a relatively easy um thing, but then again, this is Jalen, and there were talks that allegedly the Jags would try to trade Ramsey this offseason. Yeah, you'd be an idiot. But um moving right. right along. I mean, like the context of that report though, man, like and you you know, like this ain't what we do on this podcast. We don't like to call out journalists, so to speak. But when you read that report, like it really wasn't any concrete evidence behind it. It was just Adam Schefter. You know what I'm saying? Saying that this executive from this AFC team believes the Jags could trade Jalen Ramsey with no, you know what I'm saying? No proof behind it or like no, like no concrete source. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but I mean. It comes down to you're probably going to make Jalen the highest paid uh, corner in the league, which no if doubt. we honestly want to be completely honest, the man's probably worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not quite to the Revis level where if you throw at him, it's not going to end well, but Ramsey still eliminates a large chunk of the field. Right. And even those times where Ramsey gets beat in coverage, he can tend to make up for it and lay a hit. Mm-hmm. True he can recover mostly. Like, there's very few times we take the top off of Ramsey. Like, yeah, off of Ramsey. So, right. you're going to have to I pay mean, him. Like, I- if it ain't Nook Hopkins and, like, Antonio Brown, like, name somebody who, who has given Ramsey issues, you know, besides them two. Yeah, and I mean, let's just be honest. Every corner is going to get beat by even any wide receiver at some point. It happens. It's right. the law of averages. So, I mean, hey, pay him. I just think, yeah, Yannick will probably be the easier deal. So, yeah, I looked up the salaries, by the way. So, I'm thinking, I, I put this on, um, and I, I could be off, but um, I put this on Jaguars Wire on our takeaways. Danielle Hunter is the guy that I'm looking at here. He, he's the one that got paid roughly around June this year, the defensive end from the Vikings. Uh, $72 million in total value in terms of the contract. It averages fourteen point four million, but he's guaranteed forty million, if I'm not mistaken. That's what I'm thinking. Yannick might command something in there, but he may want even more than that. But as of today, Danielle Hunter is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in terms of, I guess, uh, according to this list on um over the cap, he's roughly eighth in terms of defensive end salary. So. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you feel about that figure. I mean, I feel like he's worth that $40 million guaranteed, you know? I mean, yeah, and also, if we want to be honest, Kirk Cousins got $90 mil guaranteed fully. Like, fully. Like, <laughs> baseball there. money guaranteed. <laughs> you seen, seen the videos of him on the sideline fussing that, uh, I think it was Adam Thielen trying to teach him how to run routes. Yep. <laughs> it's hilarious, bro. It's hilarious, but um, yeah, they got Kirk out there trying to be a receivers coach, but yeah, um, you know, like I think some along the lines of what Danielle got, maybe uh, if you're talking a little higher, maybe along the lines of what Calais got, which was sixty million, 
uh, in total value. I think that was 30 in guarantees, though. But his average is like uh, 15.5 million. So I think maybe something along the lines of what Calais has got. But then again, like the issue with that is how much money you want to put into the defensive end position. Me personally, I think that's a position worth putting a lot of money into. But only time will tell. But yeah, that you know, that's a guy that I wanted to talk on and get your take on because he bought out today and you know it's contract time as of when that clock hit zero zero zero. It was contract time for him. <laughs> and uh that man deserved to get paid. As does Jalen and as does Miles Jack. So we I guess we'll see what happens there later down the road in terms of those guys. They got some other stuff to iron out like portal situation and what they're going to do about a quarterback and, you know, it's, it's some other things to take into account with the salary cap, but we'll see. So um, that was it pretty much it from the game. I know I said we wouldn't spend too much time on it, but, uh, you know, we obviously did. That's all good. Um, on to the next topic at hand, which is um, afterward. This is probably the worst news of the day, in my opinion. And this this had me depressed. You can ask Jacob upon the beginning of the podcast. And you guys feel, too, I've just been dep- depressed and dry all day when they announced this. But Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone will be returning. They'll be back. Uh, of course, that set social media ablaze. Everybody was voicing their displeasure about this. I mean, I guess some people cool with it. Um, but real quick, Jacob, I guess I'll start with you. Um, what's your thoughts on the return of Marone and Caldwell? And um, after that, what about the return of Coughlin? I mean, how many lives does uh, Caldwell have at this point? This, this is he finished his sixth uh, tenure as a Jaguar, as their general manager. That was his sixth tenure, which is absolutely absurd and ridiculous. I mean, you know what, Marone? Hey, can't even be mad at you. Mm-hmm. See, the thing about Marone, you know, and I don't mean to cut you off and. You know, while, yes, I do wonder, like, can he get the locker room back and, you know, do the players really like him as a coach? A lot of this ain't Marone's fault. You know, of the the big three, Caldwell, Coughlin, and him, he's the one that I think has the least amount of blame. I mean, he can be the least blame of the three because it ain't his fault that they stuck him with the situation that that they are currently in. It's ultimately the front office's job to choose the right players, so... Uh, continue, I mean, let's man. let's just look at this. You lost the Allen brothers, and you could say one of them was out for the whole year, yada yada yada, whatever. Right. You lost your two best receivers. You lost your best tight end in the form of Mercedes. Um, your whole old line just died and went somewhere. Right, except for AJ Can, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Yeah, so it's like the whole offense was completely different. Mm-hmm from last year so you can't blame it wrong because it's like you don't have nothing to work with right exactly so, what i've been trying to say man i'm with you i still wanted them fired but i can i can see why you would want to hold on to them with those circumstances yeah so it's like you know yeah marone you fine you know we'll get you another year or two right but god well oh boy um yeah you better not, better not miss on this draft that's all i'm saying yes it better be 2016, and that's the issue with Caldwell, man. You look at Caldwell's resume. What has he done? As me and Jacob asked in the previous session, what has he done aside from the 2016 draft and Calais Campbell and A.J. Boye, who A.J. Boye is not playing all that good this year. Now, he's not playing to his contract, at least. But aside, I mean, he played a lot of zone with man players, so that's true. there's that. that that's true. But aside from that 2016 class and um, Calais, Malik, and AJ, and maybe a couple guys from the um, his second draft, which included Linder and Telvin Smith, what has Caldwell done in the whole six years? You know what I'm saying? Like, more of it's been bad than good is what I'm getting at. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, hey, Caldwell, again, don't miss. Don't miss. Don't miss. <laughs> it ain't a good look that's for sure i mean and i mean i guess if there is any positive to take from this and i put this on twitter caldwell the good thing about it is caldwell may be better than what the rumors out of the building were that were coming out and that was that they might uh basically promote polian 
who we all know that's the son of Bill Polian, uh, promote Polian from within and let him replace Caldwell. That, but those were whispers. None of it actually, you know, we, we didn't get any confirmation on that. It was just something floating around out there. Uh, so I guess we really shouldn't talk about it, but still, nonetheless, you know, that's better than that happening. And, and Caldwell is a guy at the least we've seen in the drafts in the past that at least if, if you're a guy like me that feel like the Jags need a, a quarterback or whatever the case may be, or they need a Dwayne Haskins, Caldwell is a guy that does have the cojones to trade up and do it. We've seen him trade up many times in the draft to get his guys, so. That's the good thing about it. Um, you know, Caldwell, he has no choice but to admit his mistake on Blake Portals. No choice. They got to let him go at this point. It's, it's what's better for the team and what's better for Blake, quite frankly. So um, he has to admit that, that mistake, move on from it. And I don't – me and Jacob have talked about this earlier, but I don't necessarily think that going into free agency is the right option unless it's just for a stopgap guy. But, you know – We'll see. Time will tell. But um, Caldwell has not done a good job and he didn't deserve to come back. But that goes to show you that um, ownership doesn't know what they're doing or who we're going to get into later. But um, as as for that, what do you think about Coughlin returning, by the way, even though his job was never in jeopardy? But I just want to know your take on that. Who can find Coughlin? Only Khan can. (laughs) (laughs) Only Khan. Like I said, who's going to find Coughlin? Yeah, that's true. He should be fired I'm trying to buy Wembley. Coughlin's <laughs> too busy right now. Who's going to find Coughlin? Coughlin, Coughlin probably walking around Jack's office like, who in here going to find me? He, I'm telling you. Who, who in you here going to tell me what to do? <laughs> exactly. I promise you, if somebody, if a report came out said Coughlin stood on a desk and went full Denzel at the end of training <laughs> day, I would not bat an eye. And I'd be like, you know what? That's one hundred percent accurate. I believe it. Like, hey, that's what happened when you because that's basically the what he could do. Yeah, like that's basically what he could do. So, again, Coughlin's job was never right. in question. I think he's gonna unless like the Jazz completely go dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. Coughlin's gonna leave when he decides to leave. I don't know about that. I I think he's on a one year leash. I mean, all of their contracts I think end on twenty twenty. I'm not sure, but I think they're all going to be on like a one year leash. And if things don't go well, I guess time will tell how that goes. Con need to fire. I've always thought, I mean, y'all seen the article on how I feel about Coughlin. I think Coughlin needs to be fired. They should have cleaned the whole house, in my opinion. That's just me. And that's simply because you look at this thing ever since Coughlin's been here. What has he changed since Dave Caldwell's been here? They still got the same issues. They still have no franchise quarterback. They still have no offense. You know, they still are, you know, undisciplined, which is something Coughlin is supposed to be like this disciplinarian and somebody that can fix that. Like, just honestly answer me that question, Jacob. What has changed since Coughlin being, aside from them, yeah, they went to the AFC Championship last year. But I'm along the lines that 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 was a fluke. And they basically got, what, four games off of the Colts, two games, and then two games from the Texans in which they didn't have their quarterback. You know, so, like, really, in all honesty, I think what we saw this year is more along the lines of the real Jaguars, but I don't know. That's me. He changed the culture. I, I don't even know if he did that, bro. <laughs> if you say so. We, we back here to being planned. We going to throw back to these simple jerseys. We here <laughs> to establish to run the ball. We're here to be a tough, no-nonsense franchise. Man, get out of here with this. Yeah, look, that's what I'm saying, man. Look, Coughlin can stay. Here's the thing. Coughlin can stay, but Caldwell had to go. And Coughlin has to bring in a GM mm-hmm. who either he trusts enough to like, hey, let me make this pick. Right. Or you got to bring in a GM that's just got the balls enough to be like, hey, look, let me do my job. Right. Right. Yeah, that's what I was banking on. Like, I, I knew if Caldwell was fired, I knew he it would be Coughlin, probably his decision to bring in the guy, uh, the next GM or Caldwell's successor, because he's the guy with all the ties in the Jaguars organization. And that's why I think Shaq kind of holds on to him, which is, you know, I mean, I understand, you know, you, you have to be connected, but 
at the same time for all he's cost the Jags over the last couple years. I don't, you know, I don't think that's worth holding on to him for, but that's another story for another time. But yeah, I thought Coughlin was probably going to like get one of his guys like Abrams um, from the assistant GM from New York that he worked with or, you know, somebody he just knew that could handle like GM responsibilities, but they didn't. Oh, yep. So that I, I mean, I much rather them had have done that than keep Caldwell get, you know, a guy like Abrams. But no, I'd rather you just promote Polian. Nah, nah, bro. Polian destroyed him and his father, with all due respect, destroyed a Super Bowl <laughs> caliber team in Indianapolis, okay? I want no parts of that. Aside from what, Peyton Manning, Mathis, and Freeney, uh, yeah, they didn't do all that well. In terms was of that Polian or was that more so Ursay? A good question. Good question. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Polian's still getting his money. I'm talking about um, Bill Polian now. He's on ESPN now, so <laughs> he's still getting that bread. He ain't mad, you know. And Polian running the AF, the American Alliance football. Oh, he is? Yeah. Dang, okay. Polian. So he really he really getting some money then, you know. So um, that being said, um, on to uh, the last part of this discussion. How do you feel, Jacob, about the job that Sean Khan has done? I've kind of vented my frustration on Twitter and in this podcast, but since he's been the owner, I think it's been since 2011 or 2012. Um, how, how do you? What do you think of the job he's done? Because really, all he's had is one successful year, and these moves that he made today are very questionable. But that's just me. Oh. <sighs> This is how I look at um, Shad Khan. For those that have played NBA uh, 2K, when you go in the uh, my GM mode, it like tells you owner profiles, references. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this owner is very involved in day to day activities. This owner has a short leash for losing. This owner only cares about his cap. Mm-hmm. This owner is very hands off. That is Shad Khan. Mm-hmm. For the most part, Khan is very hands off. He is a businessman. He is more interested, it seems. Again, this is just looking at it. Seems like he's interested in developing downtown Jacksonville. Right. The financial part of things. Right. Improving things for the Jaguars from a financial standpoint. Maybe upgrading or building a new stadium. The whole shipyard, the docks, everything. And then you have his interest overseas because he's the owner of Fulham FC, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And he, there was the talk of him trying to buy Wembley Stadium, which is arguably the most hollowed ground in England when it comes to sporting venues, mm-hmm. maybe more so than Wimbledon. Yeah, that's the that's the Lambeau field of soccer, man. That's exactly what I was about to say. That's Lambeau, that's Soldier Field, that's Wrigley Stadium, that's the original Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park. It's all that all and right. then some. So, I mean, Khan hasn't done a bad job. Let's just put it like that. Mm-hmm. He hadn't done the best of jobs. Right. It could always be better. I mean, unless you're out here being Bill Kraft and just Bob Kraft and just winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Like, it could always be better, Mm -hmm. no matter who you are. It's for the owner that we got, the results could be slightly better, but we're not too surprised if we want to be honest. Right. Right. My only bone with him is I just wish he, you know, and, and, you know, we, we discussed this. I wish he was, you know, he came from a, a football background and just knew the dynamics and the importance of the draft and the importance of free agency and knew what he was evaluating in terms of players like Jerry Jones, who, albeit Jerry Jones isn't the best at scouting in terms of if you look at their drafts and stuff. Uh, But, you know, I just wish he was, you know, along the lines of him in terms of just knowing about the game of football because, you know, he would he would understand that what Marone or not even Marone, but Coughlin and Caldwell, the jobs they have done is has been an atrocity and their evaluation skills have been a, an atrocity since they've been in the front office. But that's neither here or there, as Jacob would say. Um, and I, I guess, you know, we're just going to have to see where this thing goes from here on out, man. Um, I mean. Yeah, you can make that argument, but at the same time, Jerry Jones is like Vincent, man. You're a little <laughs> bit out of touch with reality, dog. Just a little bit out of touch. Oh, man. I, I, you know what? I don't know why I expected you to – I almost expected you to say something along those lines. 
you just just Jerry, like I don't want you to be Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is a little bit out of touch. Right. If I'm not mistaken, there was a report saying that uh, Jerry Jones' son had to be like, no, you cannot and will not draft Manziel. All I need to say. Yeah, but I do yeah. I do agree that Khan could be a little more involved with the football standpoint. But again, this you know it is what it is. Hey, we there's worse owners in the league. So let's just put it like that. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you said it because that is a valid point. You know, I guess you could say the um, what's the what's the guy name from the Redskins? I know a lot of people yeah, have Dan cru- Snyder. Yeah, Dan Snyder. I know people crucified him over the years. You could argue with the Jets, the Bills. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? The Jets not so is uh I forget the Jets uh, owner name too, but I don't think they they've been like horribly owned. But you know, again, you right. They they definitely could be in a worse situation. So you have Stephen Ross. I mean, there's worse owners in the league. Let's just put it like that. That's <laughs> it, Stephen Ross. All right, yeah. Let let's let's move on before Jacob start calling out folks owners, man. And <laughs> We have to deal with an angry mob on Twitter. We we've already had to deal with that earlier. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the timeline, Jacob, but I, that, we'll discuss that off air. But anyway, um, just another day over here. Yeah, hey, that, Dolphins Wire. I said what I said. <laughs> Shout outs to Antoine Staley, by the way, who is one of the editors that I communicate with on Twitter often from Dolphins Wire. Uh, pretty, he, he does good work over there. But yeah. Dolphins wire. He said what he said, man, and that's my boy. So I gotta, I gotta support him on that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, on to the draft order, which was probably the, you know, the biggest part of the day that a lot of people were looking forward to, in terms of watching the other games and stuff. Uh, Jacksonville, we are now seventh in the draft order. We only jumped, I think, one spot or two spots. We were at ninth. Yeah, we were at ninth. We jumped. Two spots to the seventh overall pick. Um, we are now behind the Giants and Bucks directly, by the way. Bucks with the fifth, Giants with the sixth. Um, both of whom are quarterback needy teams. Um, but that being said, um, what do you think about the Jags draft order? Not necessarily as it pertains to them getting a quarterback, but just in general, like because I know a lot of people are upset about them winning last week's game and, and that being the Dolphins game because they were like fourth or fifth in the order and that kind of cost them. But, um, dude, you know, what do you think of their positioning in the draft, man? I'm just looking at this real quick. Make sure I'm reading this right. Make sure you didn't miss anything. Mm. You mean to tell me the Cleveland Browns aren't picking in the top five? They absolutely are not. The Cleveland Browns got more wins than us this season, bro. The Cleveland Browns ain't picking in the top 10, the top 12. <laughs> They had a better season than us, and quite frankly, if we being honest, and you they have you know, a better roster, a, I'll uh, say it. Yeah, they do. Well, I'm, I don't know. They look like a better team than us, though, and they look their far, offense they, is significantly better than ours. Okay, that's fair. That's fair, and they look re- way less dysfunctional than us. You know, yeah. And believe it or not, like you know, I can't believe I'm gonna even say this. Um, but after you know, it, was it the 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 whole bounty deal that Greg Williams was doing. But aside mm-hmm. from that, Greg Williams is a very damn good coach, in my opinion. Yeah, I really didn't want to come out and say that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. You it, said it, so yeah. It is what it is. He is a very good coach. <laughs> I can't help yeah. but love his personality on, on Hard Knocks. I don't know if y'all watched that, but he's a guy that he, he's got the personality of a football coach. I think he should have that job, but they say he won't get it. From what I read lastly, but he definitely should have been considered for that job. Um, oh, I mean, it's definitely probably the best opening as of right now because Arizona's probably gonna fire their coach after one year, which is an incredibly stupid thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then the again, Jets we need we might need a defensive coordinator, so send Wilkes our way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the Jets fired Bowles. Um, what else? What else? Dirt caught got fired. Yeah. So hey, and I'm sure what's tomorrow? Black Monday? Yeah, I'm sure a few more folks will get fired too. Yeah, yeah, it's a few more looming. Uh, I don't know if uh, Vance Joseph is is it Vance Joseph from the Broncos? Is his name? I don't think he's been fired quite yet. Um, he should be safe. I mean, they don't have a court. Well, they have Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. But uh, looking at this, we are picking number seven. 
All right, let's just run through this real quick. Cardinals don't need a quarterback. Niners don't need a quarterback. Jets don't need a quarterback. Raiders, in theory, don't need a quarterback. Bucks, eh, it depends upon what you do with Jameis. Giants, how much longer do you want to trust in Eli? Do you want to go one more year, Eli, suck, Mm -hmm. and then go grab these 2020 boys? I think so. You know, and I'm not just saying that because I'm optimistic. I'm trying to be optimistic. But I say that because David Gettleman, who, as we all know, that's their GM, um, kind of an old school guy. You know what I'm saying? Kind of think Tom Coughlin-esque, you know? I mean, well, they're from the same tree, if I'm not mistaken. Him and Tom Coughlin from the same tree or same, like, type of organization ties or whatever you want to say. So, like, I think, like, personally, I mean, yeah, they could take, like, Haskins. But I just think, like, especially, like, with the whole thing of Eli saying he can play one more year, I think they just might hold off one more year, personally. But it's me. Yeah, so, I mean, look, we're picking number seven. It's not the worst. I mean, hey. We could have been picking, like, fourth or fifth, though. Yeah, (laughs) this is true. But at the same point in time, do you want to be picking that early in reach? That's true. And it could have been a lot worse. We could have been picking at worst like 12. And just imagine how far you got to jump up. If you want Haskins and if he's there, just um, the price on that is ridiculous. From 12th to like 4th or 5th, the Jaguars would have to easily come up off like two first round picks and a bunch of early round picks from this year's draft and, and maybe next year's draft, depending on how you do it. Then again, that's important. That's why these these players like Malik Jackson, you know, I don't know if we can off them or whatever, but, you know, guys like him and Fournette, maybe they come into play here. I, I doubt it, but uh, go ahead. What you were about to say, Jacob? Yeah, and, and even then, who say you're going to take a quarterback? That's true. Like, you got a lot of holes to fill. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, it's – Seven, sure. Hey, five and eleven. It was a disappointing year. It should have easily been eleven and five, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Not but it bad. It's interesting that Caldwell's coming back, though. I will say that, and I, I mentioned that because rarely do GMs, and I mentioned this on Jaguars, why rarely do GMs get a second chance at drafting a franchise quarterback. And I'm, I'm not saying that's going to be the case this year, but with the way that he operates, Dave Caldwell. Um, even though he has spent a lot of money in in terms of free agency. But in terms of when it comes to a quarterback, you know, he comes from a tree that values drafting the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I don't I can't speak for Coughlin and what he'll do, but you know, it's worth mentioning that. You know, Caldwell is a he's a guy that maybe wanna draft a quarterback because you it's hard to imagine Caldwell saying he wants like a guy like Flacco for a year or so or whatever, especially with the jazz cap situation. But again, like, you know, Jacob made a good point that, you know, Flacco is a guy that has had success with a similar style defense in terms of, you know, their rankings. So, you know, I, I guess you can't rule that out, but um, that's neither here, neither, neither there, but yeah, you go ahead, man. Go ahead. Top seven pick. Hey, the most important thing about this pick is like I said earlier, don't miss. Yes. He got to have a 2016 again, man. He has to. Like, you don't need to go draft a Bashar Perriman. You don't need to go draft a Jamarcus Russell. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go draft a Blake Bortles. You don't need to go draft. I mean, I got countless references here. (laughs) Right. Like, you you cannot miss. Right. Right. And and again, like this might be a different situation from 2016. He was blessed in 2016 to put it to put it lightly. Jalen Ramsey fell in his lap. OK, my you know, my unborn child. <laughs> and I don't, I don't have a child on the way, by the way, but my child in the future could make that pick is what I'm trying to say. All right. And and not only that, Miles Jack fell in his lap, even though they had to trade up a little bit to get him in the second round. But. No, Miles Jack was a guy that in the second round, that's great value. Like, who wouldn't take that opportunity? Yannick, on the other hand, he may not have been as much of a blessing as the first two. But still, you know, that's a guy that the Ravens came out and said they wanted to draft him earlier than he went. So, you know, he just got blessed in that draft. So it might not be. a. He may have to. I don't know how to put this. I guess he may have to choose 
guys that may be reaches as opposed to guys that are clearly the best available players at the position at the time when they go on the clock. But I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, so, I mean, hey, it's, it is what it is. It just put a bow on a disappointing season. And, you know, hey, it's over. Mm-hmm. Now we look forward to erasing this season and going back to the 2017 year. Let's hope so. That's obviously what Shot Khan is banking on, ladies and gentlemen. And again, we're going to be here every step of the way at the Jaguars Wire, at the Jags Den Podcast, talking about it. Me, Jacob, Phil. Uh, shout outs to Jackson Fryberger as well, who helps out from UGA Wire. Um, and yeah, we, we're going to be here with you guys for this process. Um, maybe even go perhaps to the draft and, and some other offseason events. So that being said, we're going to close things out. Uh, Jacob, anything you want to plug before you um before we leave today? Oh yeah, you know I'm always down for uh, shameless self promotion. So that being said, um, <laughs> make sure y'all head over to SteelCrew.com and check out my latest work. I dropped a first 48 on 21 Savage's new album, and the first 48 is basically a quick little review. Appreciate you looking and taking the time to read it. Just a quick little, like, quick strike. My initial thoughts on the album. Mm-hmm. Nothing way too serious. It's a good read. Also dropped a piece on Rick Ross and his issues with homophobia. So, yeah, if you want to catch my non-football work, I'm over at SteelCrew.com. Providing quality entertainment much like I do here. And other than that, I'm just working and looking forward to the off season and seeing how bad or how good things go. Right, right. And, um, yeah, we'll hopefully get Phil on next time to, um, you know, host this thing so we don't get off track as we did today. But I feel like we got a lot of good content in there, man. I don't think nobody's going to complain, especially everybody that want to vent, man. It's a lot of folks that's mad on Twitter, man. This is perfect for them. This perfect content. So in terms of me, um, I guess I will be doing more work on the game, of course. Uh, my thoughts on the moves in terms of Shad Khan bringing back Marone, Coughlin, and well, not so much Coughlin, but Caldwell. You know, I'll, I'll put my thoughts out on that as well. Gonna do some quotes from the end of the game, of course. You know, they had a, a bunch of priceless quotes from Jalen Ramsey and company after the game that I haven't gotten to yet. And of course, you can find us on the various outlets on the web, the audio outlets on the web, most notably iTunes. Tune in, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audio Boom, Radio Public, and Deezer Radio. Um, so feel free to subscribe to us and rate and review and what have you. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, y'all hold it down. This is the Jaguars Wire Podcast, and you all be safe. Oh, oh, one more thing before we go. Go right ahead, bro. Miles Jack wasn't down. You know what? He went down, man. <laughs> And we might have a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> oh, man, don't make me reminisce, man. But uh, <laughs> Miles Jack was not down. <laughs> Y'all have a good night. <laughs> oh, man.